tired of salad packs. I think I need a bird or two. I think I got the bird flu. I'm tired of salad packs. I think I need a bird flu. Hello, everybody. It is Jason Jaybird Goldstein here for another episode of The Bird's Eye View, the first episode of 2023. And we're continuing 23. We're still going live on YouTube. And we're going live now. And here we go. It says we're live. There. All right. So we're officially live on YouTube. And yeah, we're ready for another episode of the Bird's Eye View. The first episode of 2023. I hope everybody had a happy new year. You know, a better New Year's Eve than me and Buckeye Nation. Uh, new Year's Day was good. And, you know, that's sort of what this episode is. I mean, I know you could tell by the title of it, but we're here to talk about, we're here to talk about the Buckeyes and the Giants. Like, it's not going to be my big week 17 recap. We're here to talk about my two teams. And this was, this weekend was like the two, like one of the lowest, like one of the most heartbreaking losses I felt as a fan just ever. Like, easily for me, the most heartbreaking Ohio State loss I felt. And then just an extreme high for the Giants making the playoffs. It's just like, I mean, it's, with, with this team and how bad it's been for the Giants, making this playoffs, making these playoffs meant a lot. And just to not be the laughing stock. Uh, but like, I, I, I'm gonna dive in and talk Ohio State first. Like, um, the Giants clinched the playoffs is great, lifted my spirits. But what a sh- what a horrible horrible way to start 2023. I mean, I mean, you, I mean, li- literally, you can't ask for a worse way to start the year. As time is winding down, as as the ball's getting ready to drop, and it's you know about to hit midnight. I'm not even, I'm not even watching the ball drop. But, you know, I'm, I'm at my friend's place. Uh, his girlfriend pulls up the ball dropping on the side. I, I don't care. Like they're lining up for a 50 yard field. We're lining up for a 50 yard field goal for the win. And literally, as the ball drops, as the ball drops, the clock strikes midnight. It turns to 2023 on the East Coast. It turns to 2023 in Atlanta. New Jersey, Ohio, the kick is one of the worst kicks I've ever seen, and we lose to Georgia, and it's just like, it's just sad, it's, it was sad, I mean, I, I think it wasn't like a New Year's Eve where I was out partying until like 2 or 3 a.m., no, I literally, like, I went home after that game, I was upset, I was depressed, and then I was up until 3 a.m. playing in my head. Oh, how could that have gone differently? Like, just thinking, just, like, so many ways. So many ways this game could have gone differently. If just, if this happened, if that happened, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, the reason I'm saying if this and that happened is because there's things I'm going to get into here. Uh, and, like, it just, oh, man, that just, it's, it sucked. And, look, I mean, I'm someone, I'm in the past, I'm someone who's gotten, on the refs, but at the end of the day, any Ohio State fan, your your first thing about losing this game should not be, oh my God, the refs this, the refs that. Because first off, like calls go both ways. There are bad calls every single football game, every single sporting event. It's very you know there it's I'm the refs do not impact the decision, the final score of this game. Like if you're complaining about the refs, no, the refs are not the ones who blew that lead in the fourth quarter. The refs did not give up 18 points in the fourth. No, there were questionable calls. Personally, I actually said that was not targeting in when I was seeing the replay. Uh, you know, now I'm still, like, 
I'm still 50-50 on the targeting. I just my thing is I don't see how that gets overturned. I guess I don't see how that gets overturned as opposed to me thinking it's not targeting. I don't know. Like regardless, uh, the, the the loss it's on the defense and it's on the late game execution. You could put all you want. Oh, refs this, refs that. We got plenty of calls go our way too. Like we might have gotten away with 12 men on the field on that fake punt. So this game is. Ugh, I, I am mad that Marvin Harrison Jr. did uh, there, that, that targeting penalty got overturned. Like, I mean, that targeting penalty getting overturned was just it sucked. And that that play changed that that play changed the game. And I'm not, again, I am not mad. I am not sitting here saying it was obviously it was blatant targeting. I like, and the thing is, like, it, it was a 50-50 call. And when it came to the 50-50 calls, it seemed like we didn't get any of them go our way. Uh, that's just in terms of replay. Like, I think our offensive line, I definitely see, saw get away with a lot of holding calls. I mean, Georgia fans are crying about the amount of holding calls that we got away with on Twitter. Look, I'm not denying we got away with holding calls. We did. Uh, but the, the exact, and, and that's what I'm saying. The refs played both sides. You know, it, it could have been, look, the, the targeting, the targeting, the fourth down, I actually thought that I actually had a feeling those were going to get overturned. The targeting less so, uh, so I'm not here to blame the refs. There, 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 there's a lot more to talk about than the refs. Uh, but again, like that play with the non-targeting, that did change the game for multiple reasons. Like obviously, like regardless, they changed the penalty, so the penalty changes uh, like very quick. So because that penalty changes, it goes from first and goal to fourth and to fourth and goal and having to kick a field goal or not fourth and goal. It would have been first and goal. And I think we would. I think we would have been inside the one. I don't, I'm not sure if targeting works, where it's you're going to get all the way down to the one, or if it would be half the distance from that point. Uh, but like, regardless, like, we've been red zone efficient, so for, for the most part, that game outside of that drive, and instead we end up kick, taking the three, and that three points ends up really keeping Georgia in this game because you know we get seven, we we go up 18, instead we go up 14. And, and we keep Georgia in the game. Uh, actually, I believe I got my math a little. I believe my math is actually a little bit wrong there, so let me apologize. Uh, yeah, no, 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 no. I did get it right. And see, so, yeah, we would we would have gone up eighteen instead. We go up fourteen, and like, th- and it's on the defense. We were up fourteen going into the fourth quarter, and look, the refs, the refs did not blow a fourteen point fourth quarter lead. That is all on the defense. I mean, Jim Knowles. Like, it, it, I, I, people say, my, oh, it's one year. It's, overre- it's overreacting to call for Jim Knowles' job. It is not overreacting to call for Jim Knowles' job. I mean, it, this is Ohio State. Where we, you, know, you, hold, you hold your game to the highest standard, and you're supposed to recruit at the highest level. Jim Knowles isn't even that. He's not, a high, he's not a, known as a recruiter. He's getting paid $2 million a year, and he doesn't even do heavy recruiting. And look. We we seen look back in the day Ohio State had Chase Youngs, uh, Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, so many do- dominant defensive linemen. Yeah, JT Tuamale looked like those guys against Penn State, but JT Tuamale, Zach Harrison, Jack Sawyer, guys who were really really high recruits, didn't end up having the impact that we saw some of the other previous recruits have under previous defensive regimes. We saw the secondary was a disaster in our two biggest games of the year, giving a big play after big play. I mean, Latham Ram and also Latham Ransoms, a lot of that's on you. You are a Division I cornerback or Division I defensive back. How are you slipping on the field in a playoff game? Like, that is so embarrassing to slip. 
And look, like I, I understand slipping happens. And that's why you don't run cover zero when you're up 14, or, I mean, up 11. That call was just asinine, idiotic. I, I did not understand what Jim Knowles is doing. When you're up that big, let them. You, know, you don't need to put all, you don't need to blitz. You don't let, you need to drop guys back. It's obvious passing downs. And what? And then Georgia's just getting chunk play after chunk play after chunk play. It's not, it wasn't even just that you make one tackle there. We even have some help on that play. It's not just cover zero. If it's cover two, cover whatever, and he makes a big play. And if, if he gets tackled, time continues to tick. You know, maybe Georgia has to take a couple more plays to get to the end zone rather than one. And now, you know, there's less time. I mean, that play, after that touchdown, I just said, we're going to lose this game, aren't we? And I saw the momentum shifting. The offense is struggling to move the ball without Marv. You know, Egbuka, Drew Fleming, who were eating up, Xavier Johnson, all guys who were getting open, and all guys who were making plays early, they weren't able to do that. Now that Georgia didn't have to worry as much about Marvin Harrison, it allowed them to really, really focus on the other guys and not just have to focus on Marv. Uh, completely changing the game. Completely changed Ohio State's offense, and that sucked. I mean, the chunk, but oh man, like those chunk plays. Those chunk plays, Bowers, he, we shut Bowers down for the first three quarters. He made three big catches late. I mean, McIntosh, we couldn't stop. I mean, McIntosh, he had five rushes for 70 yards. We couldn't stop McIntosh. We got lucky that one of the, that one of the plays, he tripped up on, on his own feet. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, that's not a late the ransom, but he, got, he actually got tripped up by the turf monster. And like, yeah, the only thing the defense did was have a good third quarter. The third quarter was excellent for that defense. But other than that, no, you, you, you essentially, everyone's like, oh, oh, Ohio State team has put in a position to win. You know, wh wh where, where is your praise in Knowles when he was getting those stops? Jim Knowles essentially gave up six touchdowns in three quarters with that defense. And you look back to what he did against Mitch, the big plays. He's not, I, it's clearly schematic. Now, I, I do believe that we don't have the, ta that clearly the talent in the secondary is not what it once was. Okay. It just isn't. It's not the Marshawn Lattimore's, the Denzel Ward's, the Jeff Okuda's that we had. But, like, it's not as bad as it's looked. There was a clear, clear schematic issue going on. And Noah, even this year, got burnt. Now, Denzel Burke. Denzel Burke, you know, him, a, lot of him, a lot of his regression this year. Now I'm asking, is it scheme-based or is it player-based? It seems like... I just don't. Like, I don't even know. We we already lost that DB to Auburn. Now I I know we have Sonny Styles who I like a lot. I know he was a highly touted recruit. Uh, he you know, he's gonna have to play big at the safety spot next year. Uh, just oh man, I just I don't know. Like I mean, this defense, there are definitely some dogs on it. I mean, the secondary's been an issue the last few years. It's not all Noel's, but like. This, I, mean, I, I don't get how he's scheming, but, like, Harrison, JT Tuamale, Jack Sawyer, like like I said, all these guys were highly tatter recruits coming in. I was so excited for Jack Sawyer. And they just haven't been those – they haven't been those dudes. They've been good, but then none of those guys outside of outside of the Penn State game where JT Tuamale had just one of the best performances I've ever seen, none of these guys have really taken over a game or looked like the next Ohio State great defender. Like – Oh, just, uh, 
Uh, oh, and then another thing that changed the game was that fake punt. I mean, hats off to Kirby Smart for calling timeout on that fake punt. I mean, he literally got it off a millisecond before we got the playoff. And they, if we don't, they get the first down. Now, there was 12 men on the field. Like, I, I, you know, I saw pictures on Twitter of 12 men on the field during that fake punt. Uh, so, you know, it's likely even if we got it and Kirby Smart doesn't get that timeout off, they call 12, 12 men on the field. But, I mean, that's also on the special teams unit. You messed up. You messed up a fake punt against Michigan already. So you would think that you're working extra hard on that fake punt. And yet you're in a position where if George doesn't call that timeout, regardless, you would have maybe gotten penalized for Tobin on the field. And if they didn't get penalized for Tobin on the field, it would have been a lucky break. Just horrible execution for the second game in a row. And there's that, that's the thing. That they made those little mistakes. No, there was one play. It was a QB keeper from C.J. Stroud. Got the first down. How often do we see a design QB, QB keeper from C.J. Stroud? And there was a legal motion. And just it, it's, like, it's penalties like that that just you have a month to train for that, and those penalties happen. That's what gets really, really frustrating. But like, other than that, like Stroud played the game of his life. C.J. Stroud absolutely played the game of his life. All, all we had to hear, Stroud sucks. He's not going to be anything in the NFL. Uh, only, only sees his first read. Blah, blah, blah. Georgia's going to eat him alive. Georgia this, Georgia that. Uh, when he goes up against a real defense, you know, he might not even, he might get shut out. Well, you know what? For all you C.J. Stroud haters, he shut you up. For all you guys that's like, oh, Georgia was going to eat him alive. He can't go up against a real SEC defense. Well, guess what? He he cooked that team. I mean, the, this was the best game of Stroud's career. He was lighting them up. If you know, we saw some games. If Marv wasn't there, he was struggling. At, you know, at least at first. But this game, if Marv wasn't there, he was hitting Fleming. He was hitting Ibuka. He was hitting Xavier Johnson. He was running. C.J. Stroud was running with the ball. Something that we don't see. Actually scrambling. And that's what a lot of people said. If we're gonna, if we, if we have a chance to win this game. He needs to make plays with his legs. And he did just that, including that scramble that nearly set us up for the win. So, like, C.J. Stroud, for everyone saying, oh, C.J. Stroud and Ohio State didn't belong, that they were going to get clowned, like, they, Ohio State proved that they belonged to be in the playoff. They proved that they were one of the four best teams. Everyone said, everyone said how Georgia was going to clown them. And guess what? Like, we still hung with Georgia. Now, you know, a loss is a loss, and it sucks. But we proved that we, we deserve to be there. And then, you know, you still have the people online saying, oh, Ohio State didn't deserve it. All that proved. You're just an idiot SEC fan who can't see anything past the SEC. Oh, our teams, we, 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 our fourth place team goes eight and four. That means they're a top 10 team in the country. Like, I mean, literally all SEC fans are saying, the SEC wants their rivals to win. Cause, because that way they can say, our rival won. See, like, See, like, just like we're actually like a top team in the country. Our rival just won. Like, like people are saying that the playoffs just showed Bama should be number two because everyone's like Bama would obviously beat TCU. TCU just beat Michigan. Michigan beat Ohio State. Like, Bama should be. Like, you Bama fans are so obnoxious. You want to be in? You want to be in? Don't lose two games. Don't, sorry, Alabama, don't lose two games. Oh, and how about these Alabama fans? Yeah. Oh, these Alabama fans, they love to say, Ohio State proved they didn't belong. Ohio State proved they couldn't hang with the SEC. Alabama should have been over Ohio State. Alabama's whole argument was that they lost these games to inferior teams by a combined four points. Yeah, it was inferior teams, but it was a combined four points. Well, how does all of a sudden Ohio State loses to the number one team by one, by one point and 
you know, that makes that means they don't deserve it. Like Alabama fans, SEC fans are some of the most short-sighted people to them. Oh, we play in the SEC. That means we deserve to be in the playoff. Like they're still they still think that they should be in the playoff over TCU. If you like TCU's in the championship game, like it's absolutely a joke that you think you deserve to be in over TCU. Oh, you beat Kansas State. Guess what? TCU was already in the playoffs at that time. Kansas State had more to play for in that Big 12 title game, and TCU already beat Kansas State. Bama fans, you know, for, but you know, and it's the Bama fans. The narrative is what they want it to be, you know. The narrative is, oh yeah, no, 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 no. The Big 12 is not a good conference. No, the narrative is, we lost two games. We're Alabama. We should be in. You want to be in? Should not have lost to LSU. Should not have lost to, oh. Uh, I, I, I should not have lost to LSU, should not have lost to Tennessee. Oh, yeah. And guess what, Alabama? Don't forget, you know, all those, you know, combined, combined, oh, we're this close from being undefeated. You're that close from being, like, 7-5-2. You know, you barely beat A&M. You lost, you, you, you beat A&M because Jimbo Fisher's brain dead. You beat Texas because Quinn Ewers got hurt. Like, th- those are two games you should have lost. It should be 8-4. and four. Uh, you guys should have lost to Ole Miss. Should have, could have lost to Ole Miss. Could be seven and five, Alabama. Just, but keep crying that you're not in the playoff. That you didn't make the playoff. Oh man, that's just like, it just sucks. Like it just absolutely sucks uh, for Ohio State. I mean, the offense, the offense played so well. C.J. Stroud played so well. The offensive line, which was one of the bigger things that we were worried about, played so well for most of the game. And, like, yeah, four sacks doesn't look good, but it's not like Shroud was under pressure and facing heat the entire game. No, the offensive line held its own, contained the Georgia pass rush. Although I will say, Georgia's pass rush came up big on a couple third-down sacks that allowed Shroud and that, that allowed that kept Ohio State from, in field goal range and made them kick field goals rather than scoring touchdowns. Just a lot of pain, man. A lot of pain. And, you know, I mentioned earlier that Stroud was running. He had that unbelievable scramble. And then Ruggles, Ruggles misses the field goal. And, look, you know, people say, he's a college kicker. He's been good. He's been good. Oh, you know, you shouldn't be hard on him. No, you're allowed to be hard on Noah Ruggles. At this point, college kids, they're getting paid with NIL. You know, these guys, oh, they're, they're leaving colleges. They're entering the transfer portal for NIL, like, they're making money now. You know, these aren't just, you know, poor-ass college kids anymore. And also, Noah Ruggles, yeah, he's been, oh, yeah, he's been very good. He's been very good. His first-ever pressure kick at Ohio State. Yeah, we've been fortunate enough to not have to really be in a game where he's had lots of pressure kicks. Look, his first-ever pressure kick, and he misses it that badly. Look, if it was just to the left where it was, like, 47, 48 inches, or 47, 48 yards, it's good. Then, okay, you don't, you, then, okay, you give him a break. But when he misses that badly, get, give me a break. With the, We shouldn't be getting on him for this. No. No, if you want to criticize him for missing a kick that badly, you're allowed to because that was bad. That was embarrassing. It was just, uh, it was just a rough way to start 2023, man. Because we, we, we – just so many different things. So many different things if they just got in our way. If Marv doesn't get injured, if targeting is upheld, you know, if – Corby Smart doesn't get the timeout off, and you know I don't know if they call twelve men or not. If if just like if 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 Ryan Day doesn't call running on the running right after we get in the field goal range, we got it. Yes, we got in the NFL field goal range. Most college kickers 
long field goal range is like 45. You probably wanted to get 10 more, at least 10 more yards there to not have it be such a long kick. I don't think the play calling there was bad. I think they should have called a play action, a slant over the middle, get that first down, you know, try to get 10 yards there, set up a 40-yarder. We don't know if Ruggles is going to hit it. But just, you know, what if we get closer? What if Ruggles hits it? I mean, he just didn't look confident either. He looked like he was going to shit himself. Oh, man, I just... I Like, we, we, like, we probably would have beaten TCU. Like, I... I and like I'm not here to look, I'm not even here to sound cocky and say, oh yeah, we're better than TCU. I truly believe we would have beaten TCU. And this is coming from a guy who has been banging the drum and like been a TCU defender all year, including a guy who picked TCU to beat Michigan. Just saying, like I, I did pick TCU to beat Michigan. If you guys remember that, uh, I mean, so I mean, yeah, I guess that helped. M- M- Michigan beat. I mean, Michigan losing helped. Had Mich- if it was Michigan Georgia, this would be hell. I Michigan fans just be able to clown us, laugh at us, and, and have the bragging rights that they're going to the championship game. But at least now, like, like Ohio State Michigan fans are trying to make fun of each other on Twitter. No, like, like if anything, Michigan fans do the bragging rights because they beat us this year. But look, yeah, we have the bragging right. We can say, oh yeah, Harbaugh still doesn't want a playoff game. Still doesn't want to. like what has one bowl win, and that's bad. That's bad for Harbaugh to have the one bowl win. Uh, and look, it just so he got out coach. Harbaugh got completely outcoached that game. Sonny Dykes and TCU drew up a hell of a game plan. An absolute hell of a game plan where they were prepared. Look, Michigan, they, they would dominate running in the trenches all year long. In those goal-to-goal situations, especially in the first half, TCU, they made the plays. Now, there was a lot of, you know, uh, the, for, I don't know what the hell Michigan was doing on that first drive, doing, calling the Philly special when you've been the best te- running football team all year long and you're in a goal-to-goal situation. They try to get really cute in the first half, and that's what dug him in that hole. You because know, you see Donovan Edwards rips off that 54-yard run first play of the game. You're like, oh, man, it's going to be a long, long day for TCU. Michigan's already looking like they're going to run the ball this good early. But no, and then just from there, like, I mean, also Michigan getting hosed on. Michigan got hosed on a couple calls, too. Like, I thought that that was a touchdown. I don't really understand how you overturn that. And then, then the lack of targeting on that final play of the game where they should have at least gotten one more play. You know, I, I thought maybe, at first, at first, I didn't think it was targeting because I thought it had something to do with the forward pass. But like, nope. Like, I, I thought it was, I thought it was simply a rules thing why it wasn't targeting. Not like, not based on the hit, but like, the rules. If the rules, if based on the rules and the forward pass and everything that happened before the hit, yeah, I guess it was targeting. And like, yeah, it was targeting. I don't know how that, how that one didn't stand, or how that one didn't go, how that one didn't get overturned. That one was just like. That one was pretty bad from the refs there too, uh, but yeah, like I again, like, TC. I just had a feeling that they've been disrespected. JJ McCarthy was talking shit to them during the week. They've been disrespected. They've been underdogs. No one gave them a chance. And like, look for as much people like I say, no one gave Ohio State a chance. People did give Ohio State a chance. Like and, every, and like people who actually know the sport and aren't just on Twitter were saying like, okay, Ohio State does have a chance. They're the team matches the best against Georgia. This that. Not not saying Ohio State's gonna win, but they said Ohio State actually like, you know, could hang with Georgia, and it's not a no chance victory. That's gonna be a blowout. Where everyone thought, where the question was, can T, the question was, can Ohio State be Michigan? But TC, the question was, can TCU hang with Michigan? Where even the people who know and know college football really well were still on Michigan just because of the matchup. It just seemed like such an uneven matchup. But Sonny Dykes, man, a hell of a coaching performance, drew a hell of a game plan. 
the TCU Horn Frogs are going to the college football championship. Sounds crazy to say. Uh, I I think Georgia's gonna win. I'm pulling for TCU. I want the Horn Frogs to win. Screw Georgia. Screw their obnoxious fan base. That's talk, talk, talk. That you know. Oh yeah, that gets to beat that beat Alabama without their top two receivers. That beat Ohio State without their top two receivers. All right, all right. Now I'm making excuses, but like, it's just Georgia fans are so annoying and so frustrating, and they're still and they like like Georgia fans are acting like they shut us out. Y'all needed the fourth quarter to come back. Like, it's it just annoying. Like Georgia fans, they've completely become one of my least favorite teams in the country. Their fan base is toxic. They're so annoying, and I hope TCU shoves it down their throat because. Man, we just, we just should be in. We should have been in Georgia. We should be playing TCU. I know we beat them, man. It just sucks. But thank God because, like, think also, you know, I said I got Georgia winning. Jim Harbaugh, will, is he going to leave Michigan? Like, there's some talk about that. I'm not saying he is. I don't, I don't know if I believe it. I, I, I didn't believe it last year. I didn't believe it last year. I said the entire time he was staying. What did he do? He stayed. We'll see, though. We'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens in the NFL offseason. Speaking of the NFL, I mean, thank God. Thank God, because this weekend would have been so – if we lost to the Colts, this would have been like – I mean, 2023, I would have been convinced would have just been like a year of bad luck for me. But, no, the Giants, we beat the Colts. We crushed the Colts. And it was, you know, it was a win I needed for my own me- mental health and sanity – because the New York Football Giants are finally going to the postseason for the first time since 2016. And look, I'll, I'll come right out and say this. This season has been much better than that 2016 team. That 2016 team was just such an aging, aging team where, you know, you knew, yeah, you knew they weren't good. And you did, that was carried by the defense where the offense was horrible. This team was such an underdog team all year. It's been a team that we didn't expect anything from. And it just fought hard all year to make the postseason. Like, this is by far the most fun team we've had since the Super Bowl. Like, yeah, it's been a lot, a lot of dark years since the Super Bowl. We've had, I mean, it's been one playoff appearance. So, yeah, obviously, like, the second playoff appearance since that Super Bowl is more likely, is likely going to be the most fun season since then. It just, I mean, this year has been so special. We finally... Finally, it finally appears that we have something in place. I mean, it's been so hell. The last five years have been miserable. It's been pathetic. We've been the laughing stock of the NFL. And finally, to make the playoffs in year one of a rebuild to turn around. It's awesome, man. It's so awesome. Being at MetLife Stadium was electric. Absolutely electric. I have, ne- I have never been to a game at MetLife Stadium where the crowd was like that before. I mean... I, haven't, I didn't go to many Giants games growing up. My parents weren't the biggest football fans, so I went to the occasional game. But, you know, for them, you know, at least when I was a kid, the Giants were a, re- were a relevant team. So the tickets are relatively expensive. My parents, not being the biggest football fans, never wanted to really, you know, spend the money on a football game, on, on all fairness to take me. Now I, got, I got to go to my fair share. I mean, I went to the Super Bowl, so I'm hardly complaining that I didn't go to many games as a kid. But, like, because of that, I never saw many games at MetLife Stadium. And the games I did see at MetLife Stadium has been when they were crap. Like, after, like, I, I went to a game in 2011. We didn't expect a Super Bowl at the time. But, like, most of the games I went to at MetLife, we've been crap. Now, 2012, the season opener, when we, when we raised the championship banner, that was awesome. 
But since then, it's been, I mean, last year. I went to two games last year, and it was just depressing. Uh, and, and I know I said that with the Panthers game that I haven't heard MetLife like that in a long time. But, you know, the Panthers game, at least, MetLife, the Pan- after we beat that Panthers game, MetLife was a recognizable sound. And, I mean, but this was, I mean, the loudest I've heard MetLife. We're going, that we're going back to the playoff, and it was packed. Ugh, we're blowing out the Colts. There's not like an end. Like it's packed throughout. It's a blowout game. Even when the starters are coming out, the stadium is still packed. People did not want to leave. People wanted to stay there. And it was so awesome being there. Uh, just like I, I, I mentally needed it because I was down in the dumps. I was just, I literally was at the gym angry in the morning doing my 4.13, sulking. I've been thinking, how do we lose? How do we lose? Just look, look at, looking at my phone, going on Twitter, getting angry. And I'm still, you know, still, still mad about that. But like, I would maybe, I'd maybe still be sulking about that loss if the Giants did not make the playoffs. You know, it, it definitely did help. And like this game, man, this game was just so much fun. Like we finally, we finally scored 30 points for the first time since the game against. Uh, for the first time since 2020 against Dallas. And look, that, that game against Dallas was we scored 30 points with a pick six. This is the first time since the Andrew Thomas Bowl that we scored 30 points from the offense. And look, yeah, yeah we, we had 31 points from the offense, seven points from the defense. LC, I mean, my God, MetLife Stadium, when Landon Collins had that pick six, MetLife Stadium absolutely lost it. I mean, he, he deserved it. Every single Giants fan there was so happy for Landon Collins after, you know, the way he got treated by Dave Gettleman, the former regime. You know, after, you know, he's a guy who's clearly on the, on the back end of his career. A guy who, all we've heard about Landon Collins was he's a run stuffer. He's a run stuffer. And he's done good at run stuffing since coming back from the Giants. He's not a pass coverage safety. But, you know, he made a nice play in coverage last week. And he had a pick six this week for a guy who was part of the last good Giants team to get a pick six in a t- in to the next Giants team that's going to the postseason. It's special, man. You know, this was a guy who felt like he was going to be one of the leaders of the Giants for a lot of years back in the after that 2016 season, and it wasn't that case. LC was back. He had that pick six, and it was just so awesome, man. Like after that, after that, we all knew we're going to the freaking playoffs, baby. And and it's just been it's been euphoric. The, the rest of that game was just a euphoric experience. Seeing the Giants offense move the ball. 24 points in the second quarter from this team. You never see that. And Daniel Jones, the best game he's had. This is definitely the best game Daniel Jones had all year. Four touchdowns, which he's not had since 2019. Two passing, two rushing. Like I was almost I was like I was at the point in the game where I was yelling, stop running with Daniel Jones. No need for him to get hurt. Uh, because at that point, like. Yeah, I really don't want to see my guy Danny go down with an injury. Like, please, never. Uh, my God, just like, uh, we're we're in the postseason. I mean, we're, this team is somehow, some way in the postseason. And like going to that game, like every Giants fan, myself included, we are confident. Cannot remember the last time we've gone to a game with confidence. The last time we've controlled a game from start to end. And every win this year. All eight other wins this year, I've had, you know, mini heart attacks. You know, e- even the wins in the down years, they're mini heart attacks I'm having. And I'm still stressing them out. Or I don't want to win the game because I'm tanking. But this was a start-to-finish blowout, wire-to-wire victory. 
And man, it was just, <laughs> it was just so nice that we actually did that. And it wasn't even a game where Saquon was doing Saquon things. This was all Daniel. Uh, it was a game where I finally became a believer of Daniel. Uh, he just, he shined. And I, I, you guys know, I flip-flop a lot on Daniel Jones. Uh, you know, I mean, you guys know, I, I, everyone knows how I felt about him. 2020. 2020, everyone knows I hated Daniel, despised him. 20, you know, 20, if you knew me in 2019, which is before I had this podcast, you knew I despised Daniel. Even actually, no, no. And then, okay, I grew on him a little, wanted to see how he could do. And then I was like, all right, I'm not sure if he's anything special. I think he's hit a ceiling. And that's, you know, my, you know a, lot, a lot of what I've been saying this year was how good is he, how good is he. And now I'm, I'm a firm believer in Daniel Jones that – he is the guy. I mean, the last three weeks, he's just been absolutely dynamic for the Giants. He's made so many plays, and I'm ready to believe that he is the guy. Now, look, I don't. I say a lot. We're not here to debate next year. We're not here to debate next year. Ian Rapport says it's likely that Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley are back next year. Look, Saquon Barkley, I have not changed my attitude on. I still want him back at a reasonable price. Again, talk about that when that gets here. Daniel Jones. That's what absolutely should be back as a Giants QB next year. I really don't think he's going to cost any more than $25 million a year. Look, franchise Daniel. Give him, give him, franchise Daniel, give him three years, $75 million. You know, people are saying, why do you franchise him and then give him lower than the AAV? You franchise him because you stay there, and guess what? You're, you're giving out a long-term deal, which is going to be more than the franchise tag. So, yeah, in the end, it's, in the end, it's more money. There's a reason why players don't like playing under the franchise tag, even if that means that they'll get less money that year because they're getting more long-term money. Like, it's a stupid argument. Uh, so, in my opinion, like, like Daniel Jones, absolutely, he will. I think he will be back because uh, I think he's only going to get better. He's finally in a system that, that he belongs in. He's in a system that plays to his strengths. And he's, I mean, with Daniel, he's done something that the off-script plays. Yeah, we – it's – you, you never saw that with Eli Manning. It was hard to see that with Eli Manning because Eli Manning was not a runner. If Eli Manning made those off-script plays, it was because he was physical, getting out of a sack. I mean, Daniel Jones, he is physical. He knows how to escape sacks. He's not afraid to lower his shoulder. Where, like, I almost wish he'd be less physical. You know, he's great with his legs. He's great at, he's, he, his pocket awareness has been huge because the offensive line is still not great. We still one of the worst offensive lines in the league. And yet, his but his pocket awareness—it's helped make a—it's helped turn a lot of dead plays into something. I mean, there's that play—he's getting tackled and makes the throw. He's made a lot of unbelievable throws. Danny Dimes has this year. Just the throws he's made, just the the throws he's made, just while under pressure, the plays he's made with his legs, the off-script plays, the leadership he's shown—he's shown he deserves to be the Giants franchise quarterback and be back next year. Like, I just wish—I I wish he picked up the fifth-year option on him, because. Like, now it makes sense. I understand why we did it. I mean, this is all hindsight, obviously, but, like, it made sense why I didn't pick up the fifth-year option on him. He wasn't their guy. We were said to be a rebuilding team. And now, like, I mean, any Giants fan, I mean, there's still guys out there who want Anthony Richardson. First off, Anthony Richardson is going to be a joke. He'll be out of the league in three years. I think Anthony Richardson, I mean, everyone says, oh, look at this throw Richardson makes. Look at these plays. Buddy, 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 buddy. Anthony Richardson, he's going to have a great pro day. He's going to have a great combine. Everyone's going to say, oh, my God, look what, these, look what Richardson can do based on the pro days and the combines. 
and Buddy. I mean, did we say this about Zach Wilson? Oh, everyone, Zach Wilson, Pro Day, Combine, this. Oh, my, like, and, oh, did we say Malik Willis, Pro Day throws, Combine throws, and they're not good. Like, all you need to do is watch a full game of Anthony Richardson in college to know he's not a good quarterback. But everyone wants to focus on, oh, he made one good throw. They don't want to focus on the fact that he was, like, 12 or 30. No, because they're, you're short-sighted. I mean, if you don't want Daniel Jones back next year, now, now if they give Daniel Jones a contract that you disagree with, that's a different story. But at this point, Daniel Jones has done everything that warrant being back next year. He's done everything that warrant getting an extension from the Giants. He will be. And just like, Danny, what you've been doing this year with guys like Richie James, who s- stepped up. as you know, I, I, I called for him to get cut after that Seattle game. He stepped up. With Darius Slayton. With... Uh, Isaiah Hodgins. Hodgie's just been incredible. I mean, he's, he's making it work with these hodgepodge group of receivers. It, it has all the Daniel Jones and this coaching staff. I don't know anyone else who wins coach of the year besides Brian Dable. I mean, again, like the receivers, Darius Slayton, Isaiah Hodgins, uh, Richie James. None of those three guys are probably a starting receiver on a on a tee, on most teams in the NFL. You know, maybe Slayton's there to be a three or a deep threat, but I don't think, like, Hodgins was not a starter on the Bills. He's not starting for most teams. Same with Richie James. And yet, like, the Giants, with that rad group of receivers, with a defense where, look, the defense has seven guys who are key pieces of the defense. The, none of those seven guys have, they haven't played with all seven of those guys yet. So this was a roster that was already weak and had so many injuries. And just a lot of guys picked up in, in the beginning of training camp or at the, end, at the end of the preseason. So many guys picked up late, signed midseason, coming up and making plays and helping the Giants just, Credit to this coaching staff, man. Brian Dable, he's is easily the coach of the year with what he's put together, taking the laughing stock of the NFL the last few years to the playoffs. I I, I just don't see who else has an argument. Like, I just don't. People want to say, oh, Sirianni. Sirianni has an unbelievable roster, and it's the argument I use against Jalen Hurts where that Eagles roster is so loaded. Look, I mean, the Eagles GM deserves executive of the year. I'm not denying that. But that do, do not give Sirianni coach of the year because he has an unbelievable roster. Look, I guess the only guy I was talking about, I guess, is Kyle Shanahan because he's playing on this third coach or his third quarterback, and one of them is Mr. Irrelevant, and they're one of the top teams in the NFC. Like he definitely deserves it. There was, you know, there, there was, but you know, there was talk in the first half. There was Pete Carroll, there was Robert Sala, there was Mike McDaniel. None of those teams have really held on this season. Uh, you know. The Jets, have fallen, the Jets and Seahawks have both fallen out of the playoff picture. Uh, Seahawks, Seahawks are fighting for their playoff lives. They have a chance now. Jets are eliminated. Dolphins are fighting for their playoff lives also. The Giants maintained it. They clinch a playoff spot. And they're a st- they made the sixth seed in 16 games. So look, they made it the way it w- they would have made it in the old NFL. We weren't doing this 17-game season. Regardless. So, yeah, we made it through 16 games. Played 16 games, and we clinched a sixth seed. So no 17 game, no needing a 17th game, no even needing a seventh seed to get in for them Giants. Uh, just like I mean this defense. I, I again I was just talking about it. Uh, I mean they made. I mean the guys that we have on this defense like Kayvon Thibodeau, Aziz Ojulari, Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, Adoree Jackson, Julian Love, Xavier McKinney. Those are our sexy seven, and those guys have not played seven games, and those guys have not been on the field together all year. 
we've you know we've had at least one or two of those guys out, and now that we now we might get those guys back for the postseason. The prospect of getting the, all seven of those guys for the postseason is very exciting, and seeing what Wink can do with a complete and a healthy defense, especially against a Minnesota team. I want Minnesota. I think we could beat Minnesota. We nearly beat them. We nearly beat them last time without a Dory, without McKinney, you know, with you know limiting Justin Jefferson. You know, we just saw them get blown out by the Packers. You know, we know Minnesota's not as good. We're gonna have. Brian Dable making more adjustments. We're going to have a defense. It's going to have a Dory on Justin Jefferson. McKinney for help. And I think that, you know, we have a good chance of really beating Minnesota, especially if we can continue to make plays against that secondary. We, we should have beat them already. Oh, man, like, I'm, I'm really excited, man. I'm trying to think. I want to look at my other thoughts that I have about the team or about the game. Uh, I mean, like I said, the 30 points – most confident I've been. Daniel Jones shining. I mean, the defense was flying. Dexter, McKinney coming back. I mean, you know, McKinney was, he was back at practice. Then he was, you know, but, you know, we didn't think he was going to play this week. He ends up playing and ends up having a really impactful game. One pass deflection. I think, I believe he had like seven tackles. Like everyone was flying to the ball, making tackles. Sexy Dexy absolutely mauled Quentin Nelson on a couple of plays. I mean, he has really established himself to be one of the best de- defensive tackles in the NFL. He, I love, love me some sexy Dexy. I'm definitely close to copping a jersey of his. Uh, I mean, what, what else is there? Oh, wait, who do I want to shout out? Uh, I, I think I said I wanted to shout out sexy Dexy. Uh, let's see. Dexy Mauled, Quentin Nelson. I, 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 the cave on sacks the last thing I'm going to talk about. Like, don't worry, I'm not forgetting that. I'm just seeing my other thoughts I have before I get into the cave on sack. It's just the last thing I want to finish off, off on. Uh, let's see. I mean, everybody just everybody just played so good, man. I'm just so happy to have, like, for, I'm just for Landon Collins. Uh, the roster. No, I mean, yeah. So pretty much, yeah, like this season being the best season since... Since that Super Bowl winning year, uh, again, so for me, I guess that's really all I have on thoughts of the team. I mean, the defense shined. I, there was that weird Jalen Smith play where he didn't get the sack. Uh, you know, the one bat that, where he just, like, stopped. Then there was the play where Paris Campbell burned us deep, and that was really the only big play they had. Uh, other than that, like, you know, we were just stopping and just having our way with this offense, as we should have. And then we had about the Kayvon Thibodeau sack. Uh, so, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau sat, you know, you know, if you didn't, I mean, shot if you didn't see it. So, you know, what happened? Kayvon Thibodeau sacks Nick Foles. Nick Foles was injured on the ground. And next to Kayvon Thibodeau, Kayvon Thibodeau is just doing snow angels. And everyone's, you know, freaking out about that. Look, I mean, I, I mean, to me, like, first off, it was just hilarious. Just a video, like the video itself. You have Nick Foles literally on the ground. Looks like he's, like, twitching. He's okay. He's okay so we can laugh at it. And then Kayvon Thibodeau just next to him, just doing snow angels while he's on the ground, just like struggling. And it, 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 it's a it's a funny image. Like no matter how you feel, no matter what you think, oh, oh, dirty, 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 that that. Like it just looks funny. And like I like I can't believe he didn't get penalized. I mean, he was doing a snow angel. They said Bobby Skinner said for eleven seconds, eleven seconds he was in the field doing the snow angel for. Then then going back at the sideline and doing the sleep was a little bad. It is what it is. Love me, Kayvon Thibodeau. I love this team. We're going to the postseason. We're playoff bound. You know, I plan on having a couple friends come on the show for my Giants group chat that discuss the playoff preview as we get ready 
for either Minnesota or San Francisco. Uh, just a couple of housekeeping items. Two things. I mean, one, Donovan Mitchell, he is him. I mean, what he did yesterday, just absurd. Now, you guys know I love to make fun of the NBA, but what Donovan Mitchell did yesterday was one of the most absurd performances in NBA history. I mean, like, Knicks, Knicks should have gotten him. We should have gotten him. And last, like, I obviously could not do a podcast without talking about what happened in that Buffalo Bills game yesterday. In the, you know, I mean, unprecedented. First off, prayers up. Prayers up for that. I'm like, I'm, I'm, completely, I'm completely blanking out on his name. I'm sorry. Uh, just, oh, my God. I'm, I'm sorry. I completely just had a brain fart on his name for the Bills. Uh, oh, my God. How am I having this brain fart right now? I just... Demar, I'm sorry, Demar Hamlin. I apologize. Yeah, I just completely apologize for forgetting his name. Uh, no, that's. I mean, what happened yesterday was horrific. Like I was like, ugh. I mean, first off, I mean, that's. I mean, you gotta say prayers up for him, and you gotta hope he's okay. I mean, the reports now, he's breathing. He's doing intubated. That's at least like at least he can breathe, but. I mean that was I mean that was the scariest thing I've ever seen in an NFL game. I mean I'm thinking I'm thinking like wow, just like I mean look thinking okay, on the on I mean at first I'm thinking they're eventually gonna go back to play right that that was my you know uh, like initial reaction to I saw the replay, and like I thought it was just like concussion at first and then I see the replay and I was like, oh my god like, like that's my thing like I, you know I see the car come out. Then, then after the replay, I was like, oh, my God, like, that is, that's not just, like, your typical concussion. And then they're, and I'm seeing the, and then I'm seeing the players on the side, and I'm like, they can't play this game. Like, the, these players are looking like, I mean, they, they don't know what happened. No, no one knew what happened. Like, the announcers, the refs, the, the fans watching at home, watching the stadium, no one knew what happened. And, like, I'm looking at these players, I'm like, they look so broken that, like, I'm thinking, like, there, there's no way they can play this game. No, look, no, for, and like, and they obviously they didn't. Glad they didn't. You know, I mean, just, it was the right decision. Uh, now, you know, for all you guys quickly getting on the NFL for saying how long it took them to make the decision in the five minutes, first off, don't be mad at the refs. Look, this was an unprecedented event. The refs were just sort of doing what they were told in terms of like, okay, there's five minutes. That, that's what we know. There's five minutes once the player gets off the field. That's what they know. This is unprecedented. Usually, and we've seen guys stay down for 10 minutes after getting hit in the head, uh, you know, really badly. And then they eventually go back and playing. I know this was different and this was unprecedented. But, you know, to the refs, this was okay. Yeah, the five-minute period. And, uh, you know, obviously it was clearly different. And they understood that. Everyone's acting like the refs gave pushback and were, like, demanding they go back out. Like yeah, it yeah it looks bad. It looks bad. This when you when you're looking at when you're looking at a bunch of guys who look like just broken men who potentially just witness a man die right in front of their faces. Uh, like yeah, you know I understand. You know you know you you could say have the self awareness to not even come up and say five minutes. The refs are just doing what they know to do in that situation. I mean I'm sure for them it was just as traumatic. It was just as traumatic for them being on the field like. They're, they're they're doing what they know to do in this situation the best they can. Like I think the NFL even like handled it perfectly. Look, everyone's saying cancel the game, cancel the game. Everything happened within an about an hour. 
And now, you know, the, the players that had to go to the locker room, I'm sure the, the, the owners that had come down, there had to be communication between the owners, Roger Goodell, coaches, you know, some of these players, they might decide, do we just want to get, get, get our mind off this and play? I'm, that, that's, I'm sure that's a discussion the players had in the locker room. Uh, you know, saying, you know, because sometimes, you know, people use, it, people use football as an outlet. You know, it's possible that, you know, they were going to resume that game Simply for an outlet, I I didn't I'd be shocked if they did. I did not think they would based on what I saw on the sideline. But you know, you never know. You know, th- you know. So that's why you know it took you know f- the full hour to make that discussion. I thought the NFL, given what's given that this was the first time this has ever happened, they honestly and I, I I fought the NFL a lot. They 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 mishandled a lot of things. I thought they handled this pretty well. And all you can say is like you. I mean, you pray. You pray this this young man is okay. I mean that was just. I mean, I mean it was terrifying. The replay, the fact that he, the the replay, all the reports that had to happen, that that came out, it's it's unprecedented. It's it's scary. It's terrifying. Uh, and you know, like you hope he's okay. Because uh, you, know, you know, interesting this like just. Oof, just just you know you know hope these updates. There hasn't really been any updates today. He just prays, okay, man, and just, uh, yeah, say your prayers for, say your prayers for the kid and giant, you know, Buffalo Bills, I'm with you, Giants Nation's with you, we're, we're we're all with you, we're all praying for you, and think most of most of America is here praying praying for you and hoping you do well. Again, I want to thank everybody who support again. It's 2023. I hope everybody had a great New Year's Eve. I'm wishing everybody, you know, happy, happy New Year. Last time I'm saying it, like Larry David says, three days. Three days after the New Year is the statute of limitations for when you say Happy New Year. So, Happy New Year, everybody. Remember, for all my latest episode releases, go follow the Birds Eye View podcast on Instagram. For all my latest, you know, live reactions to sporting events and news, go follow Jay Birds Eye View on Twitter. Thank you, everybody, and have a great rest of your day.